Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and I am your host. Great to be with you. Again, as always, it is June 21st, 2021. Happy Monday to all of you. All right, uh, what to do first? So this weekend, um, Father's Day Sunday. So congratulations to all of you fathers. Uh, thanks for doing your part in the, in the marriage, in the family to, um, to help raise happy, healthy kids. Uh, great to be able to celebrate all of us, all of you this weekend. And then on Saturday, um, my wife and I had our 22nd wedding anniversary, 22 years. Unbelievable. Uh, so we took a little trip down to San Diego and spent some time together and just enjoyed the fact that, um, that we are still on this journey together. Um, so that was my weekend. Um, and then just, I guess, just in a quick recap of where we're at with COVID, um, when we were in San Diego, you know, there were still mask orders for things like, you know, we, we decided to take Amtrak down there. So we got to ride the train, uh, back and forth to San Diego, which was a lot of fun. Um, uh, but you know, mask mandates still, still in place for public transportation, things like that. So, so that was there, but then, you know, in San Diego, it was just, it was just more examples of things opening back up and things feeling a little more back to normal. So, you know, even walking into some stores in order to, to order coffee or order food or things like that, um, most of the people did not have masks on and a lot of signs that said, if you've been vaccinated, you know, you are not required to wear a mask, things like that. So, like I said, just getting back to normal and feeling feeling so much more open and freeing, you know, being able to see people's faces and smile and, and have that nonverbal communication, uh, with those around you. So great weekend. I hope you had a great weekend as well. So let's dive in uh, minute of transparency this morning. I'm going to call it attention deficit disorder. So for those of you not in the mental health field, um, there are two attention deficit disorders that we commonly hear talked about, right? There's ADD and then there's ADHD. So ADD uh, is characterized by issues uh, related to focus and concentrating. So most, if not all of this, is, is things that happen inside of the brain. The brain racing, having a hard time remaining on a desired topic for any length of time. And then ADHD is very similar but with the addition of hyperactivity, hence the H. Uh, and this is really the inability to sit still or to keep from fidgeting. Your body is just wanting to move all the time. So why am I telling you this? Well, because I feel like I am quickly becoming a believer in the following theory. First, I believe ADHD is traditionally a disorder seen in kids and teenagers. Not as much with adults, so I won't spend a lot of time on that one. But when it comes to ADD, uh, I believe it's not just a disorder for kids. 
something that kids struggle with and have to overcome as they mature into adulthood. I actually, I'm starting to believe that there should be another version of this disorder. And I'm just going to recommend that we call it AADD, Acquired Attention Deficit Disorder, a disorder that slowly infiltrates the minds and the functioning of kids, teenagers, and adults due to an increased use of technology and an increased input of random data into the brain. Now, the best way for me to explain this is to simply, um, you know, get transparent and talk about myself. So I feel like my generation is a really unique generation, and it's a really unique one in order to see the transition that takes place in the brain. So call it moving from analog to digital, uh, looking for data versus data coming to you, quiet versus noise, open space versus very little space, contributor versus consumer, things like that. So here's what I'm trying to say here. My generation began back with black and white televisions. Like I can still remember having a small black and white television in our house. You know, the one with the, the knobs and the four channels that that, that came in. And, um, and that was about it. I remember eight tracks. I remember records. I remember listening to the radio, just plain old handheld radio to listen to baseball games or, you know, just music, whatever. And at the time, uh, I remember consumption of data. The consumption of data was very low in the form of especially, you know, TV, movies, music, and other forms of entertainment. There was very little of that that I did. Life was very open, right? With a lot of open time and space to explore, be creative, and interact with people. Then, uh, as our generation kind of moved into college, you know, technology began its steady climb. Uh, and then eventually exponential growth as we became adults. And I still remember having, you know, in that middle period some point, at some point, I remember having beepers that we had to use for work. Uh, I remember getting my first cell phone um, shortly after college. I remember beginning to learn computers and computer software and design and uh, development programs. Then somewhere in there in the early 2000s, right, came the development of the cloud, mobile apps, uh, and really the birth of social media. And then over the next decade or so, we quickly began to um, notice that this concept, the social media and cloud computing concept just infiltrated the world, right? It infiltrated everyone on the planet. And then more recently came this concept of pushing content based on your data, right? Pushing content to you that is specific to you. And the way this is done is through artificial intelligence or a systems learning model where the computer is actually tracking every single thing you do. And your device then is a constant stream of highly targeted, localized content and advertisement that they know will catch your eye and help drive the decisions and hopefully the purchases that you make moving forward. Now, that was just a high-level overview of the way technology progressed over my lifetime. But what was my brain doing along that journey? What was my thinking? What was my attention span doing along that same journey? And this is where I'm, I kind of brought up the idea of 
attention deficit because in my opinion, my brain was on a journey from being open and creative to being overwhelmed. How do I know? Well, obviously because I am accessing my own brain, right? But I can also see it in the way that people interact around me. Think about this progression. So as humans, we used to write books, big, detailed, and intellectual books. Then we invented magazines, less words, more pictures. Similar to this was the invention of the comic book or illustrated novel, a graphic novel, few words, lots of pictures. With the invention of the internet came blogging, online content, typically shorter than a book and typically uh, shorter than magazine articles. Next came social media. Facebook came first, allowing short blurbs of content along with pictures and links to other content around the internet. After that came Twitter. What did Twitter have? A cap of 140 characters, allowing very short bursts of words, but nothing more than that. Then after that came Instagram, which was a huge shift away from words to visual posts, to images. Um, often, you know, people post images without any explanation at all. Uh, then came Snapchat with images sent in real time and with a lifespan, right? You can view this image and then boom, it's gone. And then finally came this explosion of video content. So everything from YouTube to TikTok, where nothing is written, right? We communicate with our words or by speaking them or acting them out. Now, looking back um, through that lifetime or that timeline, what stands out? Well, to me, two things. So first, over time, we are reducing our written communication every step of the way. And number two, we are switching from content that is physical and remains to content that is instantaneous and can just be thrown out immediately after consumed. And the final piece to all of this is the amount of content. So back when I was a kid, you know, there may have been thousands of books available at your local library. I could have sat in front of a TV for hours on end, and I could have walked around with headphones on all day listening to my favorite radio station. But that's just not the way it worked, right? People live life differently then. So even if you could do all of those things, why would you? But over time, obviously, this has shifted, right? Content has quickly been curated, encoded, uploaded into universal formats that one simple device can serve up to its owner. Your phone. Your phone is now this portal to the entire world. With all of the apps available, you have access to almost anything in the world at any given time. You have every movie, every TV show, music album, song ever created in the palm of your hand. You can work, you can play, you can search, you can learn, you can administer your life, purchase products, do your banking, and the list never ends. Now, sorry, that was a very long rabbit hole that I just went down, but let's get back to the concept of AADD. For me, I can look back and I can see how my brain had changed over the years as these changes were going on. And what's happened is I've gone from having a very long attention span to a much, much, much shorter one. I can still remember sitting for hours reading or watching an entire sporting event, you know, a three-hour hockey game from beginning to end, uh, being able to sit through entire movies and stay focused on the movie. But today, 
Everything comes in short bursts, which means sporting events and movies are often difficult for me to sit and and uh, consume all at one time. I can literally start watching an important hockey game and five minutes later, I'm on my phone checking emails, scrolling the socials and things like that. Why? Because my brain has been restructured to be this way. Or at least that's what I think has happened. Now, have you ever had these situations and feelings after 20 minutes of straight left swiping through Insta stories, right? Questions like, what did I just look at? How long have I been doing this? How many advertisements have I had to skip through just to find a few interesting posts from my friends? Why are my eyes going cross-eyed, right? I'm having a hard time even focusing on the screen. Why does my neck hurt? It feels like I'm stuck in this downward position all the time. Has anything happened in my life while I was scrolling through this stuff? Did I just miss a goal? I did. Wait, they scored and they all the cheering and I didn't even hear it. Is that just me? Come on, it can't be. Surely this is happening to others of you out there. You know, my brain chemistry has changed. I believe it. I'm officially experiencing AADD, Acquired Attention Deficit Disorder. And that's where I'm going to leave it because I've spent way more time than I thought I was going to spend on that. But I think it's important, especially with today's topic, which is transcending moments. So in this episode, we're going to talk about one, what is a moment worth, two, the power of presence, and three, overcoming distractibility. Number one, what is a moment worth? So in order to answer that question, I probably need to define what I mean by the word moment. So in episode 58, the minute of transparency was called take a snapshot. And I talked about these special times for me where my entire world seemed to slow down. And I became hyper aware of my surroundings, but just for a brief moment, right? It's everything from the people I'm with to the temperature outside, the warmth of the breeze, uh, the music playing in the background, all of these sensory elements combine in the snap of a finger. And I feel this sense of peace. I called it a snapshot because I tried my best to take a mental picture of the experience to remember how visceral it was, how perfect that moment was. Now, I use the word moment twice when describing these snapshots, right? That's because my snapshots are always moments in time, very short moments that have a really big impact on me. But the opposite isn't always true, right? Every moment is not a snapshot because snapshots for me are always positive. They're always welcomed and memorable. But not every moment is that way for us, right? We have great moments, happy, joyful moments. And then there are moments that we wish we could forget. Sad moments, moments of regret, moments of anger, moments of fear. But this isn't bad or wrong. It's simply part of the human condition. And as Andy Stanley always says, it's just a thing thing. In other words, it is what it is. Dictionary.com makes it pretty simple. And it defines a moment as an indefinitely short period of time or an instant, often used in this way, the moment, to show the present time or any other particular time, as in he is busy at the moment, and a definite period or stage, as in a course of events like at this moment in history, and finally, a particular time or period of success, excellence, or fame, as in his big moment 
came in the final game. So pretty much what we've said, pretty much what we understand about a moment. Uh, it's a short period of time in which things happen. It can be right now, in the present, or you can look back and identify a moment in the past. And we understand that there will be moments to come in the future. But it's the first one that we're going to focus on today. The moments in our present day, the ones happening to us right here and right now. So back to the question, what's a moment worth? Well, for the sake of this episode, I'm just going to suggest that moments are extremely important. Uh, as you often make decisions in these moments, and often moments are defined by the decisions that we make. And these decisions often have eternal weight or eternal consequences. Now, of course, yes, there are mundane decisions like whether to pick chocolate or vanilla ice cream, right? Who really cares? There's no eternal outcome to that decision. But what if the eternal decision was the one that came just before that one? Maybe the real decision was whether to have the bowl of ice cream or not, whether or not to have ice cream in the first place. Now, for some of us, that's not really a decision that seems important, right? Uh, maybe we eat dessert every two to three weeks, and so it's not that big of a deal. But there are people for whom this is an eternal decision because they struggle with food as an addiction. So the important thing to understand is that we all make decisions, and each decision occurs in a moment of time. For those of you who have been with us since the beginning, you'll recall us talking through this in the, the series Controversy Theory. So in basic assumption number 11, which is choices form habits which form character, ultimately this is what we are talking about, right? And why moments in time are so important. Because what we choose to do in those moments adds up to become habits, the way we live, the things that we do, the behaviors that we repeat over and over and over again. And those habits eventually help us form character, which is really who we are on the inside. So if we were squeezed like a grape, our character is what would come out. Number two, the power of presence. So one of the things you've probably heard recently is this whole concept of being present in life, right? Showing up, being there, not just physically there, but mentally and emotionally as well. This isn't a new concept, but it's definitely gained momentum um, as our lives have become more and more complex and as technology has become more and more invasive in our lives. You see articles on the internet, you see spots on local news channels, you, you see full interviews with professionals and recommendations on the Today Show. It's all the rage on some level, but how many of us are really listening? How many of us have stopped long enough to realize they're talking about you? They're talking about me. So let's spend a little time talking about being present. What does it mean to really be present in the moment, right? Whatever the moment is. I think we've already touched on the math that's involved. So being present equals physical plus intellectual plus emotional. So all three of these elements have to be there in order for us to be fully present and accounted for. Another way to look at it is this. If we focus our thinking, our behaving, and our feeling on the moment we're in, we're fully present. So let me illustrate with this. It's getting late, right? You've worked a long, hard day, frustrating day. 
your toddler is running around the, the house having the time of their life, right? It's, it's maybe an hour before bedtime. Suddenly she stops. She comes over to you and says, Daddy, can you play princesses with me? Now, I don't know about you, but playing princesses at 8 p.m. is not high on my priority list, right? And to make matters worse, I'm not sure if I'm even the guy to play princesses, right? I mean, I don't think I came equipped for this. And so it goes. A moment has presented itself to me, and I have a decision to make. Saying no, I'm too busy, is the easy way out, right? Saying yes, but looking at my phone the whole time, is just as bad as saying no. Saying yes and being fully present is the right answer, though not always the easy answer. So I say yes, right? And in order to be fully present, I have to do the following. First of all, I have to behave. There's the behaving piece. So I have to physically get off the couch, get down on her level, and physically interact with the princesses without my phone, I may even have to turn the TV off in order to be fully there in terms of my behavior. Next, my thinking. I need to turn my brain off from whatever it was that I was just doing and instead think about princes and princesses. And finally, feeling. So I may not feel like being on the floor with a bunch of matted hair princesses, but I need to get there. Emotionally, I need to try and feel what my daughter is experiencing and allow my emotional state to match hers. Now, this illustration brings up a couple of things for me. The first is this whole moment in time concept, right? It was a moment created and defined by the choice I made. And I would suggest that it is a choice with eternal ramifications, leading to the development of either good or bad habits as a father. Now it seems pretty small, but those small things add up over time. The other thing is the whole quality versus quantity of time. You know, people often discount the amount of time they spend with you by saying, oh, but it was quality time. And the opposite is also true, right? You can spend an entire weekend with somebody and there could be very little to no quality in it. So it's my belief that it has to be both and, right? Both are equally important. So quantity of time, in the illustration, I could have been playing princesses for an over an hour. That's a lot of time when you consider what the activity was. And then following that is quality of time. So only the third scenario does quality time take place in that scenario where I'm fully present and oriented times three. Put the two of those together, you have quantity of time and quality of time because you're fully present. Number three, overcoming distractibility. So what is it anyways, right, that keeps us from spending quantities of time and quality time with those we love, right, in the moments that come at us each and every day? I would suggest distractions, simple as that, things that compete for your time and attention. Now, these things can be good, right? But they can be bad, too. And they can be ugly. Uh, and they can be sneaky, you know, virus-type things that you don't even see coming. So here's some classic distractions, right? Work, hard work. I'm a worker. Like, I can't, you know, I don't have time for that because I've got hard work to do. Housework, hobbies, 
extracurricular activities. All classic distractions. Now let's talk about 21st century distractions. So you still have all of the above that we just talked about, but now throw in nonstop streaming content, news, sports, television, technology, and our devices, allowing us instant access to the world, social media, online shopping, personal growth. How about the marathon craze, right? I know so many people are like, I'm going to train for a marathon. It's so awesome, right? And then they're gone for huge amounts of time training for this thing. How about travel sports and other over-the-top activities that our kids get involved in? Uh, We'll spend a lot more time talking about this in our parenting series, which is coming soon. But perhaps the most intrusive distraction is through our phone, right? It's fast becoming our gateway device to the world, right? Minute by minute device, never leaving our side. Uh, I listened to a podcast recently from Menlo Park Church uh, up in San Jose. It was called From Distracted to Present. Uh, And in this episode, Cheryl Fletcher unpacks some statistics from a 2016 study. She says that the average iPhone user touches their phone more than 2,617 times a day. Um, She kind of talked through the Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix uh, and how social media is actually designed to be addictive. Um, She talked about how an increased use of social media has a visible effect on our mental health. Um, She talked about the fact that 79% of smartphone owners check their device within 15 minutes of waking up. And she threw out this stat. She said a third of us would give up sex before giving up our phones. So what do we do with all these distractions coming at us at 100 miles an hour? How can we overcome distraction in order to take advantage of every moment and be fully present in those moments? So according to Cheryl, we need to first put the phone down. We need to ask questions and be willing to listen to others. We need to be curious, be creative and be curious again. And then we need to be still, allowing ourselves to refocus on what's important. And then to her list, I would also add the following. First, set boundaries, right? Boundaries from everything, everything from work to technology to television to your hobbies. Basically decide in advance what your priorities are, and how you want them to stack up in your life. Number two, build in space. So mostly space in your schedule, right? Opening up blocks of time to be present around uh, your family, around your spouse, um, just open and available for things to happen. Time for you, time so that you can slow your mind down. And yes, time for your family, your closest relationships, so that you can be fully present with them. And then finally, number three, clean house. Now, I don't know what this means for you, but for me, it meant removing Facebook from my phone. And Instagram is getting really close to being my next casualty. Uh, I also had to start getting up earlier. I had to start exercising. I had to add space to my mornings so that I could be healthier and then experience a quiet a more quiet version of my day um, before things really got moving. And that was just the start for me. I know I need to start putting the phone down in the evenings and not picking it up every five minutes. So there is work to be done, 
But that's life, right? It's just a thing thing. It is what it is. So let's land the plane. This week, wrestle with the following questions. What are your moments looking like these days? Can you see the importance in each of them? Can you see the moments you've missed? Are there things that you can do to be more aware of the moments that come your way? Number two, do you struggle with being fully present at times in these moments? If so, what can you do this week to change that? What can you stop doing or start doing in order to show those you love that you're all in? Do you struggle with distractions? If so, what are some of the things that you can do this week to overcome these distractions? Are there things you can give up? Uh, can you lock a device in another room or something, you know, in the evening and see if that works? I mean, the real goal here is not to, you know, prescribe a path for you and say, yes, you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to overcome distraction. The real idea here is to look through your life and figure it out for you. Like, what is it, what is it in your life that is the distraction that keeps you from being present in those moments? Find those things and work on them this week. My prayer is that you have been encouraged, you know, as we talk through these concepts, as we throw out ideas, um, you know, I, I just hope that you feel equipped to make changes in your own life. Believe it or not, that's what I get out of each episode. I mean, I'm not just pumping out content for other people, right? These are topics that I struggle with right here, right now, or in my past. You know, these episodes are me researching the things that I want clarity on. And the tools that I discuss are often tools that I have used in the past, that they've either worked for me or they're maybe they're new tools, tools that I've found while doing my research. And I'm choosing to incorporate them into my own life this week as well. So we're truly in this journey together. Um, and I thank you for that. I thank you for spending uh, each Monday morning with us on this journey. So have a great week. Uh, be present in every possible moment. And as always, keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.